Hi, everyone, uh, and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show. Really great to have you all here again today. Um, and today I have a new guest. Um, this is actually the first podcast I've recorded in 2023, which tells you how far ahead I plan. Uh, and makes me look really smart because I plan really far ahead. Um, but this is the first podcast I've recorded in 2023. It won't be the first podcast that goes out in 2023. But um, And it's a new guest, um, Carissa Shaw. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Yes, it's great. And I'm, I'm excited that it's 2023 because 2022 is not my year. So here we go. Yes. We've got a new Absolutely. year. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Talking off, off, uh, off air about 2022 is not the best year. <laughs> um, yeah. For both of us. <laughs> so it's a, it was a year. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So, um, and... Uh, Carissa is uh, on TikTok a lot. She's on social media a lot, and she's part of the kind of deconstruction evangelical kind of community uh, online. And so, some of you might know know her. And uh, we're going to hear her story today. So, um, I'm really excited. Me too. I'm I'm very excited just to talk with you and share a little bit more about my background and why I do the things that I do today and what's what's coming up for me yeah yeah i love i love hearing people's stories and uh, i love getting 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 to getting to bear witness to people's stories on this show it's fun it's, it's a real privilege so yeah tell us a bit about yourself well um currently i live in ohio i'm in the columbus ohio area and i live with my daughter uh she's 11 so she keeps me quite busy and I work from home. Actually, I am a content creator. Uh, that's actually my, my job, <laughs> my paying job is a content creator, not so much in the deconstruction space at all, but I work in food content creation. So that's what I do during the day. And that has allowed me a lot of freedom to begin sharing more publicly, a lot more about my journey um, in faith deconstruction and healing um, from this trauma that uh, has been uh, at the forefront of my my life as I've been I was raised as a pastor's kid and very very heavy influence of purity culture and then I was uh, involved in a cult which is a really interesting story as well um, and then I was a, I was a pastor's wife for a lot of years and I worked for the Assemblies of God church denomination in two different districts. And then things kind of just fell apart and began unraveling. So I have a lot of things that I talk about, and it's been really great recently to have the freedom to begin sharing those stories. Mm, yeah, sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a powerful story. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like like a lot of people, like I've, I've talked to you, you know, you said you were a pastor's kid, so there's immediately mm-hmm. pressure with being a pastor's kid isn't there and obviously then you married a pastor which is kind of I guess yeah a a pastor's kid thing to do right (laughs) it so is and that was not my plan in fact when I was a teenager I used to always say I would never marry a pastor and then I did well and he and I are no longer married but (laughs) that's another another part of the story but I was born um in Pennsylvania and my parents my dad had just finished seminary and become a youth pastor 
So in the early 80s, my dad was a youth pastor, which was the the cool thing to do. (laughs) So he came out of seminary and began working in churches and was a pastor my entire life other than a short, well, it wasn't really short. I think it was about seven years that he worked for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. So um, my dad was a pastor in the Assemblies of God. He and my mom met at an Assemblies of God. Uh, It's now a university. It was just a Valley Forge Christian College at the time. And that was my whole life. My whole life revolved around the church. And I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled in the very fundamentalist homeschooling, Christian homeschooling uh, culture. So that wasn't a great experience. It was really all about keeping me sheltered and away from the world. And that's never a great reason to choose homeschooling. Um, There are good reasons to choose homeschooling, and then there are not such great reasons. And unfortunately, I was um, very, very isolated from just normal, normal growing up kind of things. Um, Actually, just recently, it was really cute. My for New Year's Eve, my boyfriend made a whole prom because I that's a big thing, you know, for teenagers to go to their prom in high school. And I guess, I don't know, junior year, senior year, I don't really know how it all works. But I never got to do those sorts of things. I never went to a prom. I never went to a school dance or I'd never went to school. I never had a teacher ever. I had no influence outside of my home and church whatsoever. So my boyfriend made a prom for me for New Year's and that was our New Year's Eve celebration. It was the sweetest thing ever. But I missed out on all of the typical experiences, which I realize is not all positive. I talk with plenty of people who really struggled through school, through public school or private school, whatever their experience was, was not great for them either. So um, I understand that, but it was it was a really difficult thing for me to be so isolated. And so that was it. My life revolved around church and home, and that's all I had. So coming out of that, I did, wouldn't have even known what direction to go. And because I was a girl being raised in a very, very conservative Christian um, fundamentalist homeschooling environment, there wasn't really m- any consideration for me to go to college or university. It was kind of like, well, you're a girl, you just need to get married and your husband will take care of you. So that was the pressure was to get married. I wasn't even allowed to date um, because it wasn't just purity culture. We had um, what we what was known as, I think it's still known as the principle of courtship. So I wasn't allowed to actually date. <laughs> um, I did secretly. Uh, (laughs) But everything was controlled. Everything I did was controlled. And so I ended up going to an unaccredited ministry training school, which is what I call the cult now. It was called Master's Commission. And I went to um, a Master's Commission in Phoenix, Arizona. When I graduated, graduated high school, I say that very loosely, because I don't have transcripts, I don't have a real diploma. But I I finished homeschooling and then moved to Arizona, where I became a part of this ministry training school, which was absolutely a cult and extremely controlling. And there were was more layers of spiritual abuse <laughs> layer just on top of what I had already experienced. But I was there for three years, then I met my ex husband and just kind of went forward with the plan that had been set in front of me for my life, which was get married and 
just figure it out from there because there was no real direction for me. And went into ministry and we were youth, pa- well, he was a youth pastor for, uh, I want to say 10 years and then um, a family life pastor. He did a lot of different things. And I went to work for the Assemblies of God. I worked for the denominational headquarters in the Pennsylvania, Delaware district, and then later the Ohio district. And at a certain point, things just began to unravel. I think this happens for a lot of people where something very painful happens in your life and that begins to open the door to asking some questions. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Very, I mean, that's exactly yeah. my story. I mean, yeah, that's that's my story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Everyone who listens to this show probably knows my story a bit. That you know, I, um, I had a bit of a childhood trauma. A couple of things, bad things happened to me, uh, and then when I was twenty-three, my mother died, um, and that was that was the that was that was really what started me on the questioning things, and ultimately led me to where I am now. So yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone who goes on this kind of spiritual awakening journey um has some kind of traumatic experience which shakes them out of what they're in and gets and starts them asking questions and exactly i I heard someone say that um deconstruction is essentially following your curiosity like um getting curious about your identity and your spirituality you know and Mm -hmm. anything that awakens that up is kind is is ultimately what leads into into it it can be something really small it doesn't even have to be like this big like life event. It can it can be, and it often is. But yeah, it, it just depends on the person. Uh, exactly. Slowly, yeah. slowly starts unraveling, like you say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I wish it had been something simple for me. That would have been <laughs> maybe a little Same bit, you, right? <laughs> a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> right. I wish I something had broken through to me and uh, shaken me awake a little bit in a more gentle way but it was not very gentle I experienced I talked about this on my TikTok I experienced a miscarriage and then uh following that um nearly died from infection um because I've just some of it had to do with my own stubbornness as at that time a very pro-life person so the medications that they wanted me to take to help me through the miscarriage, I refused to take because I knew that they were used in abortions. And so I ended up nearly dying from infection because of that. So that experience, and then right on the heels of that, some really difficult things happened in um, just in my marriage and ministry. And we ended up leaving ministry, um, lost everything, moved in with my parents at like 32 years old. It wasn't ideal at all. And my whole life was just felt like it was falling apart. And I began to take a look at why, why are things this way? What, what have I done? (laughs) I thought I was doing the right things. I thought I was doing what I was told I should do. And I thought I was being faithful. So where is God in the middle of all of this? I was told if I follow this plan that I've been very carefully being a good girl my whole life, I was told that it would things would work out for me. And it's not working out. In fact, it's absolutely horrible. So that did open me up to begin questioning and looking into things that I believed. And I wish it had been a gentler process in the beginning, but it wasn't for me. And 
that's okay. That's just, that's the journey. That was the journey for me. But as I started looking, I, I began to find really interesting things online and podcasts. So I, I found the Liturgist podcast at the oh, time. Yeah. Was yeah. Big, yeah. 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 That was huge for me. This was 2014, I want to say. So that wow. was in its heyday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I uh, began reading. I was already sort of reading a little bit, uh, a lot of Rachel Held Evans' work, and really began to dive into everything that she was writing and any podcast she was on. I was listening. Um, Sarah Bessie and oh, yeah. um, all these amazing people. And all of that just began to unlock my brain and so many things. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I've been experiencing. Someone else, that was a huge part of it too, is I I don't think I ever felt safe to ask any questions because I would have been completely alone. I didn't know who else might be asking the same questions or struggling through the same things. And so to finally start hearing other people expressing the things that I had been thinking was amazing, actually. It was exciting and I felt alive and so hungry for knowledge. It was a really cool time, actually, those earlier days of deconstruction. Yeah, that's part of it, isn't it? It's it, it's realizing that you're not alone and that it's actually okay to mm-hmm. have the questions that you have. Like I remember, and again, I said, I've told this story many times, but for me, that moment was when I picked up um, Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell. Um, really, and I had all these questions yeah. in my head and I was like I, I can't say anything about this because nobody else probably has these questions and I'm going to get in trouble if I say this, what I really think and all this kind of thing and I read this book and it was just like I devoured it I read it in, I'd never read a book in one sitting before and I read this book in one sitting without even really trying mm-hmm. to because um, it was just like water in the desert it was like ah oh, oh it's okay to ask these questions oh other people have right, right yes. okay and that really like I had those questions for five years at that point and hadn't moved on any of them. And then that from then on, it was just, you know, that was it really. That that kind of opened the door and yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, I like how you, okay. no, no, I, was, I like how you I've said seen that. Michael Evans as well for me were, were, were big. Yeah. So what were you going to say? Yeah. Like you said, water in the desert. That's exactly how it felt. Um, to, and I and Rob Bell was it, it was the reason I started reading Rob Bell was as I was getting to listen to all these things I started to think about the books that I would not have been allowed to read before and so Love Wins was at the top of the list because that was a huge controversy uh, before and I so I read it and I decided this is, this is amazing I started to feel like oh, there's there's so much more out there that I don't know. And there are so many different ways of thinking about things that I haven't been allowed to explore. And I just began to be very curious and so excited about every new thing that I was learning. And also connecting with other people through um, social media who were going through the same things, asking the same questions, reading the same books and listening to the same podcasts and I got to go to some events and meet other people. And that was so huge for me. It also then at a certain point 
the 2016 election happened here with uh, Trump and those things changed everything for me as a I had been raised as a very conservative Republican. And <laughs> so questioning that and deconstructing my thoughts around politics became a, a major focus. And this whole time that I'm really picking it all apart, I was working for the Assemblies of God still. So a very conservative um, Pentecostal denomination. And that was tough. That was really hard. And at the time, I still would have considered myself an evangelical Christian, but just taking out a lot of new, new beliefs and very, um, very, very progressive as I was moving through questioning things. So all of that was being done in secret. And that's actually why I even started my Twitter account that I have now where I just tweet all sorts of random thoughts, but I needed a place to process in a public way with other people, but where no one else was paying attention. And so I didn't know a lot of people on Twitter at the time. And I felt like that was a good space. And it was, it was a great place. I think it was probably 2017, early 2017, when I began um, tweeting (laughs) some of my journey and experience. And that was a really helpful way to connect with other people, which that is incredibly important on the journey because it does feel so lonely and you're so excited about all these new things you're learning and you want to have people to process that with. So Twitter was a a great place for me to do that for quite some time. So as that, eventually I had to stop working for the Assemblies of God. There were too many places where my values did not line up with the work that we were doing and the things that were you know, being required, I guess. And so at a certain point, something happened that I strongly disagreed with that had to do with the exclusion of LGBTQ people specifically. And I thought that I can't, no longer. For a while, I think I felt like maybe I can make a difference, (laughs) which was so cute and naive because of course, inside of that sort of a structure and you know, one woman is not going to make a lot of difference. But at that point, um, I knew I needed out. So that's when I began working. I left working for the Assemblies of God and began working for myself from home in food content creation. And that began to also allow me to speak out more and to say more and do more online, especially. Um, So I began making TikToks and telling more of my story. and that opened up a whole new just a whole new group of people that I could connect with in the sort of faith deconstruction um I don't know what to call it very loosely (laughs) it's not really coordinated at all so I guess it's a community of people who are sharing these stories and that was really life-changing for me actually and as I began to go through some things in 2021 that were very difficult in my life, people from that community online on TikTok were so helpful to me and in, in helping me through those times. And I was talking about my journey as it was happening. Um, and my dad came down with COVID and he was still pastoring at the time. And so he got COVID from church. 
And then over the course of three weeks, he slowly passed away. And I was sharing that. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was unexpected because on the one hand, when we first began to learn about COVID in the early days of the pandemic in 2020, I thought, I know I actually said this out loud to my mom on a few occasions, dad cannot get this. Dad cannot get this. I just had this sense like he wouldn't survive it if he got this. But we can only so, do so much. And my parents did not, you know, do what they should have done and in spite of my continual <laughs> begging them to get vaccinated and be careful. And my dad was was careful in the sense that he would wear a mask and those sorts of things. But, um, you know, it, when it comes down to it, I couldn't, I couldn't protect my parents. And that is hard. That's really hard to think about. So both of my parents ended up with COVID from church. And my mom recovered well, but my dad did not. And he uh, passed away. We were, this sounds strange to say we were lucky to be with him, um, but so many people couldn't be with their loved ones that it, it felt like we were lucky. My mom and my brother and I, my brother doesn't live in the same state, but he had traveled to be with us. And we sat on the floor basically of a COVID ICU unit that we were not supposed to be in, but the nurses uh, showed mercy and <laughs> made sure we were able to get in there. And the three of us just sat there for about 48 hours and then he passed. And so that was extremely traumatic to, to go through and the deconstruction community, certain people within that community from TikTok and Twitter were so important to me and so helpful to have that support from people who thought the way I did. Um, everyone else in my life, of course, um, I'm being raised charismatic Pentecostal. There was a lot of prophesying and texting me prophecies about my dad being healed and a lot of weirdness, a lot of strange stuff. Even at my dad's funeral, there were there was just a lot of wild things going on. So having people outside of that weirdness who were sending me messages of encouragement that weren't religious or, you know, weren't just super out there. It was so good to have that. I really, and some, you know, these people, a lot of them were strangers that I had never met. Not all of them. Some of these people were friends in my actual real life as well, but some of them I had never met. And that was wonderful. I love the communities that we create online because otherwise it can be so lonely and isolating and we go through these hard times. We really need each other. Yeah. So I, yeah. 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 I, I, yeah I, again, I, I'm so sorry that uh, for your loss, that's a, it's a horrible thing to go through. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I mean, I know what it's like to lose a parent, you know, it's, 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 it's just one of the worst things. Um, you can't explain it really and to somebody who's not been through it, you know? Um, exactly. It's, 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 it's a unique kind of um, grief and, and trauma. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But in terms of like the community, I, I like my dad has been very ill in the last month and mm-hmm. we thought we were going to lose him at one point. And I had the same experience with a lot of that community online, like just people texting me, people messaging me, people supporting me, people, <laughs> You know, people kind of uh, helping out financially and, you know, just getting food and things for me. Like, I didn't 
you know, they don't have to worry about it and and all of that kind of thing. It was um, the support from that community was really important to me getting through that. I mean, he I mean, he made it. He he, mm-hmm. he survived and he's okay now. But um, but yeah, so I completely resonate with with that because it there is there is a community of people who are. And I don't want to call it a deconstructing community, but it's people who are kind of on this journey and yeah. um, and all the different points of the journey, all having slightly different experiences of the journey, but also mm-hmm. all kind of moving in the same direction, in a similar direction, and just just yeah. supporting each other and meeting each other where we are, and that's that's a healthy thing to to have. Um, yeah, I think one of the things about one of the things about what people call deconstruction is unlearning how we have been taught to do community and and relearning community in a healthy way which is different mm-hmm. and that is that's a one of the most challenging things i think about about that process about this process is like realizing that the hierarchical kind of ways we've done community and the ways that we've had discipline in community and all of those kind of things are not um you know with shame and guilt and all that kind of thing are not actually mm-hmm. healthy for our humanity and that we need to find new ways of doing all of that um and we're all yeah, kind of learning absolutely. as we're going aren't we we're all kind of just kind of making it up as we go along in a way you know and um but it's um but i've certainly experienced that community the way that the way that you did so yeah mm-hmm. i think it's been a reoccurring theme ever since sort of the beginning of my journey um with unlearning and relearning Often people will ask the question of where are you finding friends? How do you find people who feel who think the same way or at least are open? Because when you're coming out of church and so much of your social life has been wrapped up in church and suddenly you don't have that because when your belief system changes, you lose everyone or most everyone. And that was certainly my experience. And so many people have the same experience where one moment you're in and the next moment you have no one. And that is so upending. And so this question comes up all the time in, in different groups and discussion threads where people are saying, where do you find friends? I don't know how to make friends as an adult. And it's already hard enough to make friends as an adult, but especially when before you were so used to just going to church getting involved and figuring it out. Now, not having that, I'm not involved in church at all. And so not having that structure, um, it's hard to figure out where to go. And for quite some time, I feel like I I always sort of felt like, well, online community is not enough, which for, for sure, we need people in our lives, in our physical lives that we can share space with and be with, you know, in person. But anymore, I just do so strongly value the communities that we are building online, the, you know, little groups of friends that we're collecting as we go. And, and these people have been a lifeline for me. And I know the same for me, I have had so many opportunities to help other people. Um, at the moment, financially, I can't help anyone. I can barely help myself right now. Um, mm. I have had to receive help. Oh, <laughs> recently. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that has been a new thing for me, but that's where I'm at right now. So um, I receive gratefully. But normally in the past, I've been able to help other people and help other friends and not just financially, but um, for with emotional support and 
it, so then also learning to receive is, is a process, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. it's important to be able to give and receive in these, these relationships. So these online friendships that we are, you know, in communities that we're creating are very real and very important. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and you kind of learn about, again, it's kind of a reframing of, uh, of that kind of construct of like giving and receiving and everything like we're taught, taught that works a certain way. And then in, yeah. in the real world, as it were, you know, outside of that, it, there's a, it's, it's simpler and it's more organic mm-hmm. and it's more natural. Like I found it hard at first to ask for financial support. Um, mm-hmm. But I learned to be more grateful for it. And also when I, when I, the moments I did have money, I was able to give something back and like, um, mm-hmm. and like support other people, you know, and like, and like you support other people emotionally as well. You know, people who are going through grief and, and that kind of thing. Cause it's something that's something I have a lot of experience of. So like being able to support people who've been going through a, some kind of you know, trauma or grief, like just by being there really, um, you know that's a, that's a privilege really it feels like it feels like being able to use my experience to help other people which is a gift yeah. in a way like it really is yeah and that's really been my focus and especially since my my dad died and 2021 was the year that he passed and my marriage ended and just a lot of things changed in my life 2022 even more things changed i sold my house and i moved to the city um, and just trying to find where do I fit here and um, my business a lot of things shifted in my business that has been a little challenging but I'm getting through it and the ability to share my story now I don't feel like I have to be so secretive whereas in the past I I, I had to have some level of anonymity, just even a little bit, or maybe not use my last name, or just try to be really careful about who was following me um, to protect my family, to protect, you know, even my my job. And some of my clients would have not appreciated maybe what I was sharing so publicly online. But now things have changed to where I really feel like I can be very honest and very open about my my experiences. And I sometimes struggle with feeling like who really cares what I have to say (laughs) why why does my voice matter at all and then when I'm feeling that way to get messages that I get from people who are saying I completely understood what you said and I felt so seen I felt so understood because this is my experience as well and I don't hear other people sharing this so people will reach out to me and trust me, (laughs) which I feel so honored being trusted with people's very painful stories. And when that happens, I realize, no, this is very important. Sharing my story, my, my story is unique. And um, it is actually helpful to people because other people will hear things and resonate with certain parts of my story and feel validated in in their journey. And that is really important. And so it's been hard this last 18 months because I've lost my whole support system. Everything is 
very different. Um, you know, I'm very much out there on my own financially. And um, after so much of my life being trained to be dependent on other people, specifically dependent on a man uh, to take care of me, to just be completely on my own for the first time and making my own decisions is really exciting, but it's also terrifying. <laughs> and I've made some some decisions that I think I should have maybe not <laughs> gone that direction, but it's mine for the first time. My life is mine. Uh, and that is exciting. And yeah, it's, it's quite overwhelming at times. And sometimes it, it feels like I want to just run and hide. And other times I feel so proud of what I'm doing and creating my life the way that I want it for the first time ever. And talking about that and sharing that journey publicly, I'm just proud. I'm really proud of what I'm, what I'm doing and happy to have been able to connect with so many amazing people along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 I followed your TikToks for a while and it's, yeah, you are really vulnerable and, you know, in, in those videos and you share a lot and it's very authentic. Um, and I think people need that, need, need, you know, I think they, they resonate and connect with vulnerability and, and authenticity mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and that's what, yeah. that's what I see in when I, when I see your TikToks for sure. Yeah. Um, I think so, which is it's sometimes kind of scary. Quite often I'll make TikToks and want to delete it immediately and think that was dumb. Why did I, why did I say all of that? That was a little too much. Um, and, and sometimes truly people don't see it. There are some people who are suspicious of, of me. Um, I've had some difficult experiences too, where people have seen that authenticity and not really thought it was real. But it is very, very real, <laughs> very real. And so sometimes that can be frightening, but it just is what it is. I actually have worked in social media management quite a bit, and I develop websites and work in, you know, influencer marketing. I hate using those words, but I, that's what I do. And um, content creation, that is what I do. So I could absolutely build a brand around myself and parts of my story and I have intentionally not done that. I have intentionally just tried to share whatever is really going on, whatever I'm feeling, whatever I'm working through in therapy that week usually, um, and just being really, as you said, authentic with my with my story. And um, that I think has been why. That's one reason that I have been able to connect with so many people online and make friends and um, hear from people who are feeling, you know, validated by hearing my story in the ways that it is similar to theirs. But yeah, at times I'm like, oh, I think I, I think oversharing is my spiritual gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah, I, I do that on my on Twitter a lot, I think. <laughs> I'm always I'm quite yeah. vulnerable on Twitter. Um, I'm guilty of oversharing sometimes, for sure. But um, yeah. it can be cathartic. Um, I mean, have, have, mm, how, what, yeah. what have you found? How do you think? How is the process of making these videos and being vulnerable and online? How has that affected you in, in your journey and, and transformed you? Oh, oh wow! In so many ways. 
my life is completely different. If, if I just think about TikTok, it's, it's almost been somewhat of a catalyst. Just that, that app alone has been a catalyst. Um, it didn't, it hasn't made everything happen, but it's been something that is that I've kind of held onto as I've been journeying and making videos about the process. In the beginning, I just wanted to find other pastors' kids who could understand what I was going through. In fact, that was some of my very first TikToks I ever made was trying to find other pastors' kids. And my one of the first TikToks I made that reached a lot of people. I was in my basement in my my old house just walking around with my camera saying, are there any other angry pastor's kids out there? Because I, we need to be friends. <laughs> are there any other pastor's kids who really want nothing to do with it anymore? And you, I think we need to find each other. And I found so many people that way. In fact, recently I went back to that video and looked at the comments and thought, oh my goodness, these, some of these people I was meeting for the very first time, they were seeing my video and now we're, we're good friends. And that was kind of cool, but that's really where it started was I was just trying to find some other people. But strangely enough, in my journey, I, I, I lost my dad and was questioning, so now what? I'm not even a pastor's kid anymore. This title that I so despised for most of my life, I don't even have that anymore. I lost my dad and I lost, I don't know, who, who am I? This was a huge part of my identity. And I don't really even know where I fit anymore. And processing through that in real time was very cathartic. It was, it was helpful. It was a place for me to release some of this and talk about things that were really hard and get feedback and support in that moment. So it has been extremely helpful and my whole life has changed so much. And um, I actually even, you know, my, my boyfriend, uh, we met on TikTok. <laughs> he was just saying last night how, yeah, he was just saying how la last night, um, I, I, he was just saying something funny. Like he was smiling really big and he was like, I'm just so happy. And it's just really weird. Like I met you, I saw your face on this app and now here you are. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, like, you know, a year later, but um, that is kind of how it happened, but I've made some, some other really wonderful friends. And I think that I don't really know that everything would have happened in my life the way that it did without that social media app and the connections that I was able to make that way. But at this point now I'm able to be so much more open and honest and, um, just continuing on the journey <laughs> it's it's never ending there's always something new absolutely to yeah that it's, that's, that's the that's the thing that there's no destination on this journey it's just you just keep going mm -hmm. you keep asking questions you keep learning and unlearning and relearning and um and i'm waking up um and it just yes. keeps going and you don't know where it's going and that's that's one of the exciting things for me. It's like it's one of the things that mm -hmm. one of the reasons I keep going is because I don't know where it's going, and I'm excited to see where it goes next. <laughs> yes, well, that's exactly how I feel, and that's how I feel coming into this new year. Last year being so horrible, 2021 being horrific as well. This new year, I'm kind of pulling myself back together, and I'm looking at these these communities online that have supported me, and even towards the end of this last year. You know, people on TikTok, I I 
you know, made a couple of very vulnerable videos talking about where I was at. I was extremely depressed during the month of December and not working as much as I needed to because I could barely get out of bed. And I was struggling, really struggling. And some people that I've never even met (laughs) helped me out. And I, wow, wow, like that kind of love and care for people that, you know, I I don't know them necessarily. We're not in each other's lives, but they just cared that much that they were like, hey, let me help you out. It blew my mind. I am not used to that, even that sort of support, even from church. Um, You know, if you needed help in church and asked for help, there would be like an application process and all sorts of things they put you through. But just to be able, yeah, and just to be able to go to a, a go to a group of people and just say I'm struggling and I can't pay my bills right now and that's making it worse and people were just like well, oh we can help let me just send you a little bit a little bit here a little bit there that sort of community support was something I wasn't quite used to and it energized me in a in a big way it didn't just help meet my physical needs at that moment but just energized me emotionally to then take a look and think okay what I have, I actually do have a lot to offer. What can I offer this community? And looking at all of the experiences that I've had and all of the things that I've learned over the years, especially recent years of this quote unquote deconstruction that I've been going through, I have learned so much that is valuable and believing that my voice does matter and that what I have to say will make an impact for the positive on people. So that support from people that I mostly don't know energized me to think, what can I offer now? What can I give back? And I've been thinking about that a lot in the uh, aspect of purity culture specifically. And I've received a lot of help from from members of the community, from um, different support groups I've been a part of in healing from purity culture. So for me, that's going to be a major direction of 2023 is um, speaking out more and more about my story when it comes to purity culture, because that has been a part of my life that has drastically altered the course of my life from what it could have been to what it ended up being. And it's something that people of all genders are are still processing through. It impacts everybody in, in, in various ways. So yeah, I'm just really excited for what's coming. And the the energy is building. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for what's coming as well. I, I look forward to it. Um, so just to like finish, like what's I know this is going to be a difficult question to answer, but what is the what's the biggest lesson that you've learned that you want other people to know? Oh my, you're right. That is a difficult question because there's so many things. I actually do, though, I want to go back to what I was just saying a little bit about myself and struggling with feeling like, does anything I have to say matters? Because I have been learning myself and what I would hope that other people would hear from me is that our voices do matter. Your story, anyone listening, your story, your experiences, your um, your perspective, it matters so much. And not everyone is going to speak or write or, you know, put things out in the same way. But it, 
it does matter so much that we're able to um, direct our own lives and not just be in the driver's seat like I felt like or in the passenger seat, excuse me, like I felt like I was for so long, but to take control and to speak when you want to speak or be able to share your story with other people um, in a personal way. That has been a huge thing that I've been learning lately is that it's not just um, listening to everyone else, but actually being able to speak and share and think about ways to give back. That's been a big lesson for me lately is that, yes, my voice matters. Everyone's voice matters in whatever way that people choose to share that, uh, that that, that voice, whether it be online, like some of us are doing, or on a podcast. Or if it's in, you know, your daily life, encouraging people around you and not being afraid to speak up for yourself. That has been a big thing that I re- realized in this last year, that there were times that I was reaching out for other people to speak up for me. And then thinking later, why didn't I just speak up for myself? Like I could have said, hey, no, this thing, this thing isn't okay with me or this thing crosses my boundaries. Please stop. But I was too afraid to do that because I was I was just so afraid to even use my voice to just say, hey, this isn't okay with me. Please stop this. Instead, hoping someone else would speak for me. And so I, I personally am committing myself to working on that and knowing that my voice matters. And if something is good that I want to share, I have every right to do that. If something is bad or hurting me or has hurt me, I have every right to speak up and say no or say this thing happened and this wasn't okay and we need to change things and we need to do things differently because these things are harming people like they harmed me. But just to feel like, yeah, I'm allowed to do that. That's been the biggest lesson that Mm -hmm. I've learned in the last 18 months is, yes, I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to speak up. I'm allowed to speak out on my own behalf. And on behalf of others, with permission from them, of course. But that's that's it. That's really it. Use your voice. <laughs> Use your voice. Um, that's that's what I'm doing, and that's what I hope others will do as well. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, we need to share our stories. Um, they are valid, and they do matter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing yours today. Um, uh, where can people find you online? I am on, let's see, TikTok and Twitter and Instagram as Carissa Explains Nothing 26. There's usually a 26 at the end because Carissa Explains Nothing was taken on a lot of the apps. So you have to throw something on the end. And I am a big nerd. I love the numbers 8 and 16. And so I couldn't get those numbers. So 2 plus 6 (laughs) is 8. So 26, that's my new number. So Carissa explains nothing 26, just very strange, but that's that's where I'm at on all three of those those apps. Fantastic. I'll have a follow <laughs> and check out her TikToks, especially. They're uh, they're really great. So um yeah. Oh uh thank you for, for coming on the show. It's really great to have you here. I'm sure we'll have you back sometime as well. Thank um, you. But um yeah, thank you. And uh and thanks for listening, everybody.